Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Do 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 do. Well, it is Coffee Time Wednesday over the airwaves. We're not even going to pretend to make this like a normally done no, thing. No, I'm nowhere near Kent. It is a usually uh, we're snuggling on that couch we told you guys about. Oh my goodness. Uh there is no couch. Actually, there is a couch. It's in the uh it's in the shop. Yep. Nick rejected the couch. Well, look, it used to be my grandma's, and it is a very, very comfy couch. It is in no way. Uh how do I say this? Uh, it's ugly is sin. It's, <laughs> it's the most evil looking thing you've ever seen. So my wife said no. Wow. Blames it on his wife. Blames it on his wife. That's okay. Um, yeah. Sometimes things just like they're built so well that they get ugly before they get broke. You know what I mean? And That's a good way to put that, Kent. They get ugly before they get broke. Because it probably, I don't know, there's no way anyone looked at that and was like, man. But what happened, probably, knowing my grandma, was that she was like, wow, look, a steal of a deal on a couch. She bought yeah. that sucker. Yeah. Sometimes, though, when I just, like, look at a couch, some couches and the upholstery patterns that they have, it's like, how was that ever in style, you know? And And not just, like, somebody's like, hey, I think people might like this. I mean, they had to make like thousands of those, you know, like mass produce these couches that are, um, you know, so strange. But anyways, Nick, you're joined on two different screens now. Uh, sorry, people. This is such a uh, such a uh, interesting way to do a podcast, but we need to get a coffee time out. So this is Coffee Time Wednesday. It's going to be releasing kind of in the middle of the day. I'm recording it recording nick's recording and um uh, nick's gonna post it as soon as he can even though he's on vacation right now oh i have yeah. no i have no ways to to post it okay. but but um we are it's kind of a crazy time right now at hoxie we are still harvesting a few things um every time i like give an estimate to somebody on how much we have left the harvest i start thinking about it like a few hours later, I'm like, oh yeah, there's that species. Oh yeah, yeah, that one too. And uh, don't forget about that one. You know, so we have we we do have, I don't know, less than <clears throat> less than ten. And I think, other than stiff goldenrod, sky blue aster, and New England aster, I think we have everything at least like swathed into windrows. So. Um, and those are always our last. Three. What about stiff goldenrod? Yeah, I said those. The stiff goldenrod, New England aster. Oh, I just heard the New blue. England and sky blue. Yeah. Yep. So we we still have those to like do anything to, but everything else has at least been swathed in the windrows, and um, we're since it's at this transitional time though, we're doing a lot of seed cleaning too. So we've been seed cleaning SOG. Um, We've been downsizing things off of wagons. They still need a finish cleaning, but doing a lot of that. And uh, Nick's on a much-deserved vacation. Guys, um, I'm in Tennessee. And my – let me just give people the lowdown. A while ago, Kent told me, hey, 
don't ever have a mirror outside of your shower. Well, well, I do. And one day things get ugly before they bro- <laughs> get broke. <laughs> they get ugly before. Hey, they there's break. our title. There's our title for this episode. <laughs> things get ugly before they get broke. Well, I'm close to both because uh, <laughs> I need a little. I'm both broke and ugly. And ugly, yeah. <laughs> Standing in front of that mirror, being like, "My goodness, someone needs to do something about this." <laughs> Only one person can. It was me. So. Told some of my friends, hey, I'd like to do a half marathon, and I did it. And so they do, decided to join me. So we did the Des Moines half. And the, the half marathons are interesting. You run faster than you expect to because there's just, like, all this energy, people cheering you on the whole way, little kids giving you high fives, signs that say, go stranger, go. Um, <laughs> or I bet this sounded like a lot better idea six months ago and all that stuff. And if you're not trying to like race, if you're just trying to like complete it in a light jog, it's pretty casual. And and that's where I was at. So I, but about two months ago, one of my friends who's running, it was like, dude, there's this concert. I've always wanted to go. He hasn't been on concert. He hasn't done uh, tours for like six years. He might not ever do one again. Um, I really want to go. It was in Nashville the day of the marathon that evening. So my friends and I, we ran, we got there early in the morning. We were up at five. Got there, ran, took a nap, then went to the airport, jumped on a plane, flew out to Nashville, and we went to a concert. And and I'll be honest, I'm not going to say who it was, uh, but it wasn't good. It wasn't that good. <laughs> and turns out, my friends who had gone, have been, they go to concerts. I don't go to concerts. So they got to go to concerts, and they found the tickets for like 40 bucks a piece. I just thought all the tickets were $128. Oh. And so I paid for Danielle and I two tickets, $128 for a concert that wasn't good that everyone else paid $40 for. Uh, flew out, bought a plane ticket. And I said, well, by golly, if I'm going out to Nashville, I'm staying. <laughs> I'm not coming yeah. back for a week. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, we are. Well, actually, the first night that we were here, you guys are getting a story because I haven't had anyone else to tell. First night we were here, we Poor Danielle. Were, she's just yeah. a, she's been your only yeah. for your words. <laughs> yeah, here she. Uh oh, Nick's on freeze here. I apologize, everyone. We're gonna have a few technical glitches in this episode. Okay, we're back. Okay, so the um, the first night that we get here, the Airbnb is locked. It's midnight been a long day we had just run a marathon flew on a plane all the way to nashville been to a concert ate dinner at 10 30 at night it's midnight the hosts don't answer their app and to their credit they were very nice but we ended up having to go get a hotel because we couldn't get into the airbnb house and and me and was my it friend, one of those like seedy hotels you know like the only oh, thing yeah. you get at, oh, at midnight we got so how, many, so how many hours are you going to be staying oh my goodness <laughs> They booked, uh, we booked online before we got to the hotel and it still took them 10 minutes. And the crazy part was he was like looking at the computer, not clicking, not typing. And he just looked at the computer for 10 minutes trying to figure out a reservation. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, something. but I have a thing. I have a prairie thing. I'm here with it. Good. There's a new thing going around. Well, I don't know if it's new. It's becoming more popular, and we don't do it. So if you're looking for us, to do, we, we don't do it. It's prairie sod. You can buy prairie sod, four foot by 18 inch, I think, um, maybe four foot by two foot pieces of sod. 
and uh, it's fascinating. It's very expensive, but it's established prairie. So if a lot, a lot of the issues that people come up with is erosion, like, Hey, I want to put prairie on this Hill. What do I do in the meantime, which we usually tell them oats or something like that. Uh, but these, uh, the people who are doing this, there's several, um, all that I found were in Minnesota. There's three companies in Minnesota I found doing it. Um, but you know, you're paying a lot of money per square foot as opposed to paying a little bit of money for a thousand square feet. Yeah. So it's a lot of money, but it'll establish quickly. You don't have to go through those first two or three years of ugliness. Um, but yeah, prairie sod. And I wonder, it's so much more expensive. I, I wonder if it will even really affect the industry of people, you know, and the, I don't think it'll disrupt how we do things. You know what I mean? It's just that yeah, much yeah, more yeah. expensive. And not just we, but I mean the, the prairie community. I You know, people are still going to, most people are still going to be planting, um, hand seeding. But who knows? Maybe they get it way, way cheaper. They uh, like they can um, get their system down where it's way cheaper. The problem is when you sell sod, you're selling your topsoil. So you only have so long to do that. But maybe they're bringing in soil like Bob Wubin, who we had. Maybe they're, you know, creating compost and, and making sod. Maybe they're not doing it on the ground, although it wouldn't really make sense to not do it on the ground. It's way cheaper to do it on the ground and then take a tractor and dig it up. But. Anyway, that was my thing. I found that fascinating. Yeah, that is yeah it's very interesting. And I, yeah, there has to be some kind of fertilization effort going on with it because like you said, it's a short, it's a short term endeavor, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, uh, so they must be making new topsoil somehow, probably through composting, like you talked about. And, and uh, yeah, it does definitely provide some advantages having that, Cover down right away. Imagine it takes a lot of maintenance, though, getting it to stay alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like think about when we you just transplant like one big blue stem plant. Uh, you know, like sometimes Nick and I, when we're digging up <clears throat> big blue out of the SOG, we'll either give it to um, uh, the neighbor who wants some, or we'll take some home and put it in our own yards. You got to water that stuff. Oh, yeah. Or, Twice a day for like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Danielle and I were trying to get like 15 plants established and we had water in our house, but we didn't have a hose for outside. So we just had like jugs of water that we would like fill and then and and each one needs like a gallon each time, you know. Yeah. Sorry, folks, we had another uh, little technical glitch here. Nick is back. I'm back. I'm Turns out Tennessee doesn't have internet. No, it really, I mean, we're living, we're staying in a trailer park right next to a lake and, uh, there's no, there's no, I am hooking straight up to Elon Musk's satellite. I uh, oh, really got some Starlink going no, on. No, 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 no. It's just medium internet here that their password is password one, two, three. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's very secure. I would recommend doing lots of online purchases. While you're here. <laughs> all right. All right. What do you got, Kent? Well, it is deer season here in Iowa, and uh, we are the whitetail state, so we need to talk a little bit about deer. And um, deer season this far has been kind of interesting. Uh, I've hunted, I think, six times now. And uh, some nights, you know, I see a handful of deer. Other nights, I see nothing. And uh, I think a lot of it, from what I've been seeing online, has to do with uh, – a very abundant acorn crop this year 
really across the country. And uh, so it's, it's uh, if you have oak trees, you're going to have deer. And if you don't, you're not going to have as many. And so mm-hmm. unfortunately for me, I just planted all of our oak trees, except for the one that's in my yard um, this past spring. So, uh, you know, I just have to wait another, you know, 25, 30 years and, <laughs> and it should be great. Set. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you're ugly before you're broken. <laughs> you can still go out there and hunt some deer. Oh man, that's happened to me long ago, Nick. One time I went to the dentist and uh, they were like trying to convince me to get braces. This is when I'm like, you know, probably 28 years old or something, 20, 29, you know, definitely closer to 30 than 20. And I'm like, look, I'm getting older, fatter, and uglier every year. I do not want to spend money on braces. braces, (laughs) They were like, okay, I guess this guy's not going to buy. You don't want pain in your mouth after your body's done growing so it can't morph to that pain? Yeah. I saw a headline the other day about how um, because everyone's gotten braces, everybody has the same smile now, which is uh, really interesting. But anyways – uh, my thing is going to be about deer and it's actually an article that my dad sent me. Um, uh, the, uh, Alan Boucher, the, the OG, Mr. Boucher. And, uh, he, uh, he was, I don't know. He must have, he must be one of like 10 people that still have Yahoo as their, uh, like uh, main browsing thing when they open it up, uh, instead of, uh, Google or whatever else. And uh, he saw this headline from Yahoo on this Penn State uh, uh, deer research uh, through radio collar data. And um, the article uh, talked about this like strange occurrence that was uh, noted through um, the study. And the there were there were several things that came out of this article i was surprised at how long the article was for just an article posted by or published by yahoo i believe she did it i'll try and pull it up while i'm i'm talking here but um the the article uh here i got it right here so the article is titled Deer are everywhere, but we barely know them. And it's actually, I guess, by the New York Times. So Yahoo just posted it on on their news uh, page. But uh, the article is by Ashley Stimson. And it talked about, uh, and it it just came out yesterday too. It talked about uh, this radio collar study that shows just deer movement. And one of the things it noticed was how deer would... um, uh, return to the site where they were collared. So that was one thing it noticed. Like uh, this one buck in particular, you know, like it lived its life in this general region. I think it did a little bit more traveling than normal, though. And there can be different reasons for that. Like some of the stuff, you know, when you when you uh, are keeping as close to the uh, hunting world and wildlife world as i do some of the stuff you've like kind of already learned about through other ways and an article that's going to be published by new york times and posted by yahoo news is going to be an article that 
the general public who may not keep as close to these issues is going to find interesting, right? So some of the stuff like I kind of already knew most deer stay pretty close to their where they're born, you know, for their entire life. How Just how like, close is pretty close? Like a few square miles. Wow. Uh, uh, especially does, uh, whitetail does. We're, we're talking whitetail deer here. I should say that. And um, that's crazy. Bucks, Just a few square miles. Yeah, yeah. Bucks will uh, travel a little bit more because they're seeking out does during the breeding season especially when they're young and this is something our friend um doug duran has talked about before where when dealing with chronic wasting disease it's been found through research that it's young bucks that are getting displaced by older bucks you know they can't win the dominance over the older bucks so they got to go looking for more breeding opportunities yeah. But and so they travel around more, and then if they're infected with CWD, they spread CWD more. So Doug actually, um, you know, supports the idea of shooting young bucks uh, just to cut down on the transmission of disease. But anyway, so some of that I kind of already knew about, but there was one interesting thing. It said like this buck in particular, they tracked it for basically its whole life, I think. A lot of times they can radio collar deer when they're born. Um, they put a uh, like uh, kind of a a collar, I guess you could say, a collaring device in the uh, the um, birth canal of the doe when they capture the doe, and then when the baby's born, it like you know picks up this radio collar. I think that's how it works. Uh, and then they fall off as they grow, and they go collect the 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 collar and they put you know then they'll tranquilize the deer and put a new one on it they're following this deer for years anyways and uh um they found that when the deer died i believe he's four years old which is probably pretty well average for a white-tailed deer some deer will live to be in their 20s um but most especially bucks aren't going to make it that long because of hunters after them and all the other things that every deer has to survive with coyotes and and other predators and then uh for bucks they're fighting each other every breeding season those can be really violent fights pick up injuries and death that way so this deer died after four years though and when he died he returned to the ridge that he was born or like where he was born where he first got collared wow and he had like even though he kept in the same general area if I remember the article correctly, like this was only the second time they ever had him there, which was the first time was when he was born there. But like he somehow when he was dying, he knew I want to go back to where, you know, where it all began, I guess. But yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, that was pretty interesting. And then I wonder um, if humans follow that at all. Like, you know, when we get older, yeah. like, no, I want to go back to where I'm from. You know, there's a great culture wall song about that. Um uh plain to see plainsman one of my favorite songs hmm. um but anyways uh so the the other really interesting thing i found in there was about urban deer a lot of times we always think man you know at least i do and I've, i think i've heard other people state this and maybe it's even shown like in movies you know kid movies and cartoons and stuff if a deer or any other wildlife can make it into the city where they can't be hunted now they got 
they got the easy life, right? They're eating people's yard clippings and gardens and trash and stuff like that. And they, they, you know, they, they got the easy life. But what this study showed was that there is a higher fawn mortality for um, deer that, that live in urban areas because of the amount of environmental stress going on. Like that is for sure a human thing. Right. Right. They stay like so hyper vigilant all the time. Now, obviously deer just like people get used to things, right? For instance, our, our uh, smoke detector goes off at like the slightest little, uh, you know, bit of a threat of fire or something, you know, like if the oven's too hot, the smoke detector will go off in our kitchen. Well, the first time it does that, you're like, oh, "What's it, you know? Is everything okay?" But by the nine thousandth time that that's happened, it's like somebody get that thing to stop beeping. You know what I mean? And <laughs> your, so blood, sure, your blood pressure is going up, right? So I'm sure deer they get used to the, all that those disturbances around, but still, there's like if, if it's a really busy urban area, there's a million different disturbances to get used to. And in the young life of a fawn, um, you know, they don't have the time to get used to all that. That's all just constant stress. And mm-hmm. as a result, um, it, it causes the elevated uh, mortality rate for for uh, fawn. So anyways, just an interesting story. I love how my dad takes interest in things just because I take interest in them. And uh, that's a good dad move. And um I just really appreciated him uh, sharing that article and something to keep in mind while you're driving around right now and uh, maybe hitting deer with your vehicle. Um, don't hit deer. Now, deer are people too. Don't be hitting them with your vehicle. Yeah. Don't hit them with your vehicle. They're expensive. And uh, <laughs> they, they just like, people. Uh, but it is, it is the whitetail time of the year right now. Rut's going to be going on in just a few weeks and uh, you'll start seeing more deer up on their feet. And uh, it's just an exciting time of the year, but also a time to honor um, what I think is our best critter here in Iowa, um, you know, during this time of year. Like best at being a critter? Yeah. Because if it's best at being a critter, then I give raccoons the king. Uh, (laughs) No, I'd give uh, coyotes. Oh, maybe. Nobody tries hard. Nobody tries harder to kill something more than a coyote right now in our society. At one time it would have been raccoons when their pelts had value, but like all the there's uh, coyotes get a lot of bad, a bad attention, negative attention that they don't really deserve. But anyways, I still think that whitetail is our best critter here in Iowa. Most iconic. Most, most delicious. maybe. Yeah. Very delicious. Charismatic megafauna. Hmm. Okay. But, well, we got to end this thing, man. I got to get back to cleaning seed. Oh, my goodness. I got to get back to sitting on that couch I was sitting on. So, (laughs) hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget, we are sponsored by Hoxie Native Seeds. And uh, we are really glad to be tuning in with you. Till next time.